Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. So we've been going through Nehemiah, and uh, just to kind of bring you up to speed, you guys remember Nehemiah was basically the CFO of the Persian Empire, the greatest empire up to that point. And here he is, incredibly powerful. You know, he's got his whole career laid out for him. And he gets derailed by a passion from God. Anybody here? You, who, who are my planners? Like, you've laid out everything. What do you know? What I always love, you know, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. Right? You know, he's like, oh. Like, a lot of times I'll be like, and this is what when this and this. And he goes, wow, that just guaranteed how it's not going to happen. <laughs> Because there's no room for me in there, right? Because our plans, we got it all planned out. And God has a call for him, but this is something we haven't really hinted at. It's right in the middle of his grace and his gifting. So what is he? He is a high-ranking government official. That's who he is. That's the grace on his life. So all he's asking for is to transfer over to the area of Judah to be a government administrator there. Anybody here, you hear a call from your life and you just want to throw away the whole rest of the, of the last season completely and do something completely new? God is a redeemer of every part of your life. He doesn't want to do something totally new. He wants to do something new in him. He wants to redeem every part of your life. There is no part of your gifting, your grace, or calling that he doesn't want to weave into who you are and what you're going to do. Does that make sense? This is really important because I watch this all the time. My, my father, as you guys know, is a uh, professor in a seminary and, and they'll do orientation. And the first thing he does is spend an hour trying to convince them to leave. He's like, listen, listen, why are you here? He's like, listen, if you can be anywhere else on earth, be there. Be there. Because like, for instance, I, I can't use those details. There's people I know, many, many people, they will say, well, I want to serve God, so I must be a minister. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How horrible would it have been if, if Nehemiah had said, well, I'm supposed to follow God. I need to become a priest. He had a call, but it was through the gifts and graces and calling he had because one of my favorite verses in Revelation says, the kingdoms of this world that become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Not, it's out there that happens, not in here. There are not levels of calls. Do you understand that? Your call is the most important. Worry about yourself. You have a call, and there are things that God has put on your heart, but he is going to weave together who you are and the gifts and graces you have in order to invade those areas. So, what he does is he does it within his call. And we, we talked about this, his heart's gripped by the fact that Israel, so let, let me give you just a, a refresher. I'm not going to do, obviously, the whole timeline. We don't have time for that. People ain't got time for that. All right, here we go. So here's the deal. You guys remember the people of Israel, they were kicked out of Israel. Why? They actually invited themselves out, right? Because they had God calls you into a destiny, only he can keep you in. And in the process, they realized they were out of their depth. They started to partner with the enemy. And actually, the enemy came to partner with them and took away all their toys, kicked them out of the land of promise, and carried them off to Babylon. You guys remember? Babylon's way over here. Judah is over. Jerusalem's way over here. There's a big desert in the middle. And so they're way over there in, in that place. And God brought them back as he promised he would. And in 538 uh, BC, uh, Cyrus the Persian, the king of Persia, the first king of Persia, sent them back. By the way, you need to understand something. People for 2,000 years, 200, as long as it's been since Jesus, 2,000 years in the Middle East, what would happen is a people would, they would conquer another nation, and what they would do is they would export the people to another place. Why would they do that? What do you think? Slaves? Change mentality to assimilate them into the, the Borg, into the culture, to, so that they would never be able to rise up again. 
In 2,000 years, do you know how many people ever came back from exile? Zero. Zero. Just because it's never happened doesn't mean Jack Diddley did to Jesus. Zero. When God says, I'm doing it, he's doing it. And so he brings, not only does he bring it back, but the king pays for them to go back. Anybody here, you have a destiny and you're like, but God, who here, when God speaks destiny over your life, you explain the 43 reasons why he's wrong. You re- 43 reasons why it's impossible. Listen, start to agree with God and let him sort out the, the steps further on. Start agreeing with God and start making the steps that he puts before you. And so in 538, the king of Persia, the richest man of the earth, the first people he sends back are the Israelites. Actually, he makes an offer to everybody, but nobody else really takes him up on it because they've all disappeared into the empire. And so they get sent back. He sends them with money to establish themselves. And he sends back a guy by the name of Zerubbabel. Yes, that's a real person. It always just sounds like Barney Rubble or something. But Zerubbabel and, uh, and Joshua, the high priest, and they go back to establish. And guess what? It doesn't go well, right? What do they find when they get back to the land of promise? What do you think? Ruins. Total destruction. Who here has some areas of ruins in your life? Who here is actually called to areas that are in ruins in the world or in culture? Is it the ruins or is it the call of God that is, is going to be Lord in this situation, is going to be master? Are we going to allow what has been to defeat the word of the Lord in your life? Some of us, the ruins might be our own lives. It might be ruins from addiction. It might be ruins from uh, relationships. It might be ruins in a job. Anybody here, oh, no, no hands on this one. Anybody been through cycles? And strangely, you have the exact same boss everywhere you go. I'm going to look away because we ain't making eye contact. But let me tell you, you have that same boss because you still haven't figured out how to bring heaven to earth in that space. It's not about your boss. (laughs) Masha would like to tell you what about the same spouse? Same boyfriend, same girlfriend. Listen, if you find yourself on a hamster wheel, it's because you're on a hamster wheel. Get off. Get off the wheel. Get off. God, I am done. Listen, as long as you allow everybody else to trump the word of God over your life, you will never be able to partner with him to move forward. Listen, you are not. Listen, if the word of your life is, I'm powerless. Amen. Okay, I grew up in the country. You got... <laughs> I, I, guys, by the way, I grew up in town, the, a, a town uh, surrounded by country, so I'm bicultural, town and country. So I... I, I so Masha always says, by the time we get halfway up uh, 75 into Kentucky, this accent comes out, and it's like... <laughs> well, y'all done. And, <laughs> anyway, so... The thing is, is being around country people, you start to hear this thing. People say, well, when, then I will. You know what I'm talking about? When my government check comes in. When my tax return comes in. When my ship comes in. When, when, uh, you know, it's always when, then I will. Listen, if it's when, then I will, you won't. Why? Because you is powerless when I hit the lottery. Man, do you know the number of people who hit the lottery ain't nothing changed? Except now they got leopard print everywhere. You're like, I didn't even know they made that in leopard print. Right? You're like, it's like, listen, if there is a when, then I will, there ain't never going to be. All right. I'm getting real here. I'm getting up all in your stuff. So anyway, so here's the deal. Is if is it the ruins or the call? You gotta quit making it about the ruins. And you gotta quit making it about your spouse. Well, Lord, I would fall for you. And I'd be amazing if it wasn't for that woman. Devil woman. 
evil woman. You've got every song imaginable, right? Like, I have an excuse. You know, you're like, you give yourself a doctor's note for your whole life. You're like, I would have been a contender. I would have been amazing. If only the right woman, the right man, the right kid. If I'd only had the right kids. I don't know where these ones came from. <laughs> Genetics got all messed up. Skipped a generation. Whatever. Whenever anybody else has authority in my destiny, I'm done. Who can take away your ability to say yes to Jesus? Nobody. Can your parents? No. Man, if only I'd been born in Beverly Hills. No. 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 Listen, you could be born in a stable for all I care. You can be born anywhere. You could go. Listen, if only this horrible tragedy hadn't happened. If only this. If only that. Listen. Listen. God can win with a pair of twos. God can win with anything. God, listen, God, you plus God. Okay, math people, math people, math people. You guys ready? So I got a question. I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. Okay, one billion. Is that a big number? Okay, good, good. Okay, so here's, okay, I can't even do it. See, something like, man, some of y'all are too mathematically inclined. There we go. Yeah, actually, and, and, and we could add more zero. Whatever. Anyway, here's a billion. Here's now, which is greater, a billion or one? One. One. Well, just you. Just. All right. So it's greater. That's the greater than inside. So because the crocodile's eating the bigger one, right? And so, but here's the deal. If I add a hundred to this, which one's bigger? You'd have to add a lot to be bigger than that, right? What if I add this? Infinity. If I add infinity to one, which one's bigger? If I add God to you, which is bigger? What situation? No situation has taken you, but it's common to everybody else. But with it, God will bring a way of escape. Lord, you haven't seen how bad it is. Again, anybody reason with God about the size of your problem? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, oh king, it doesn't matter. And the king says, make it seven times hotter. He said, dude, you don't understand basic math, king. The three plus Jesus, we're going to be all right. Either he, he is the trump card, but he can't be the trump card as long as we are folding every hand at the outset. So anyway, 538 BC, he sends them back to ruins. And there's this amazing thing is God sends this amazing verse in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter four, verse 10 said, do not despise what? The day of small beginnings. I've got great news for you. You know, the only kind of beginnings there are small, small, small. A clump of cells in a woman's uterus is a human being. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Every, the same DNA that's in that clump of cells is in the, is in the full grown person. Every part of the plan of that person is in that clump of cells. In that single cell, there it is, but rather, and so listen, we can either stare at the smallness or we can stare at his bigness. And it said, don't despise. The Lord rejoices to see what? Begin. Who here? We only rejoice when the work is done. <laughs> Listen, if you cannot begin to rejoice with what God rejoices in, you will be so depressed you won't ever finish in the first place, let alone start. Rejoice to see the work begin. Who here? You're only going to start if it's a guaranteed uh, slam dunk and you know how it's going to end. Blink twice. Rejoices to see the work begin to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Do you know what a plumb line is? You know, it's a, it's a weight on the end of a string to show what's straight. Do you know what happens when you put a plumb line against a bunch of ruins? You see that everything's messed up. The very first thing God will do in the midst of your ruins is show you what's messed up. And either you will rejoice in the promise of what's going to happen to those ruins, or you'll be impressed with the ruins and stop. 
So Zechariah is this prophet, and he's come along. You know why he's saying this? Because do you know what happened? They were there in the land for about 17 years, and hardly diddly happened. They got overwhelmed. Who are my people? Like, you're like, it's time for spring cleaning. Oh, look, a new magazine. Anybody here you go to, like, okay, guys, guys, organizing the garage. I saw this. Organizing the garage is uh, 5% organizing, uh, 5% getting lost, and 90% playing with what you find. <laughs> Ladies, I'm sorry. I, guys, I'm sorry. I let, I let out our secret. No, the reality is, is that it's so normal for us to get overwhelmed, and they got overwhelmed. So therefore, God is, is disempowered. Obviously, we're not going to be able to do anything here. Romans 10 tells us his gifts and calling are without repentance. He's not, listen, listen, Moses, Moses knew the gift and calling in God's life, on his life, and he attempted walking it himself, right? You know, to deliver the people of Israel, one Egypt, dead Egyptian at a time. Not a good idea. Anybody here tried to walk in your destiny on your own and fell flat on your face? That doesn't deny the calling of God in your life. Moses ran ah, to the back of beyond. Anybody run to the back of beyond? You know what I'm talking about. You know where your back of beyond is. Ran kicking out there and I'll just be a shepherd. Bah. Hopefully these sheep can't wrap me out. God finds him there at the age of 80. If he's not done with him at 80, he's not done with you. You're like, oh, but God, there's not enough time. You're talking to the guy who invented time. Like I said, he's not reasonable. You can't teach him anything. So here he is. He has 17 years, and Zechariah goes, mm -mm, and Haggai actually another, sends another prophet. Who here ignored the first prophet? And so, Don't worry, God will send you another one. <laughs> you can't hide. He will find you. Who here, you've ignored a lot of voices? I need to go somewhere else. I don't know who you are. No, do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, I mean, it's like the check engine light of your life comes on. And you're like, I think we can we get a few more miles out of this thing. <laughs> Put tape over it. Oh, there you go. Okay, where are my tapers? You know what I'm talking about? You're like, yeah, I think we're fine. No, listen, he'll send another prophet. He'll send another voice. If you ain't listening. And so here he sends it. And so they manage in about three more years to actually finish building the temple. Now, here's the deal. You guys remember I had this... Uh, this picture of, uh, we'll, we'll see in a second, of the city. And it's, it's like this um, shape. And the temple is up here. The temple is the high place of the city. But do you know what the thing is? That the temple is not defensible. Like, I don't know about you, but in my book, I rebuild the walls first. Right? Like, you, I rebuild my house first. And that's actually what happened. They got there. Instead of rebuilding the temple, they rebuilt their own houses first. And when you rebuild your house first, guess what happens? You don't rebuild his house. And if you don't rebuild his house, nothing happens. What am I saying? Who here, you've been in a really bad situation and you're like, okay, God, I really don't have time for you. We got to survive. No? A few of us? Right? Like, God, I don't have time to be spiritual because we got to do practical things. Listen, I would submit to you, if your relationship with God doesn't transfer to practical, then you haven't met him in the first place. God is infinitely practical, but in a supernaturally wonderful way of transforming the situation. But in fact, he, he's like, so they take care of the temple, but guess what? The temple didn't, building a temple didn't change anything. How do I know? Because fast forward to, let's see, 458. So, yeah, 80 years. There you go, 80 years. So 60 years after the temple was done, they actually were not in any way followers of God. They had a temple. They had an outward form of spirituality, but it had not actually invaded their life. And Ezra shows up on the scene. Once again, so, so many times we think the problem is my bank account. The problem is my boss. My problem is my spouse. My problem is what? Whatever it is. And God goes, 
The problem starts with the fact that it's you by yourself. The whole of the gospel is I, no longer I, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's his power living through me. And listen, if it ain't working, it's because I'm doing it by myself. It doesn't matter if you're going to church, if you're sitting in a chair, you're singing songs, you've got Christian radio on. It doesn't matter. Anybody found that does nothing except make you, give you little figurines on your dashboard? I don't know. Like, like it doesn't do anything. It doesn't transform you. The transformed life is, God, I can't. God goes, thank goodness. I've been waiting for you to say that. Because see, the life of works does not work. But until you realize it doesn't work, you will not reject it so that he can work in you and through you by his power. Our power is never enough, especially to go into destiny, especially. And so here they are. They, and so Ezra is calling them back to this life in God as, as a priest. He's calling them back. And then the natural result is God calls Nehemiah. 13 years later. Why? So they're way over here. God, God, because as you begin to walk in your destiny, it begins to manifest, God, we need new walls. We need new walls. And they actually, before Ezra showed up, had tried in 465 to rebuild the walls. And guess what happened when they tried to rebuild the walls in their own strength? Enemy came in and destroyed it. Guess what happens in that moment? You begin to have what? You begin to have a theology of enemy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, I would, but you know, the devil. Oh, I would, but this. Oh, and you know, and they have this, and, this, and that's when Ezra comes in, and he calls them back to God. Calls them back to God. But the reality is the, the physical problems haven't changed, right? They're still there. They still don't have walls. They're still being harassed by the enemy. God, you don't have options. Who are my people? You, you, God, you don't have options to help me. No, I mean, seriously. I mean, you have this conversation. God's like, stand firm. I will come. I will do. Yeah, I don't really believe you, Lord. Right? God had an option. God didn't go for any option. He went to the most powerful man in the world and goes you i'll use you do you think that you don't matter to god that you don't matter enough for him to bring his resource power and authority to bear but he cannot work as long as you and i are the ones doing all the work he can't step in unless we and so in this place he sends nehemiah i mean to me that's like that's like sending a, a nuclear missile to deal with a housefly. Like, I'm like, no, seriously. I'm like, I'm like, this guy has authority over the largest sum of money up to this point. This guy has access to all the wealth. He could have, at a pen stroke, just said, uh, send him five billion bucks. And it would have happened. But he doesn't. God sends him. See, God doesn't want your stuff. He wants you. Your calling is not what you do. It's him in you to transform the world. And so here he goes. So Nehemiah, you know, we know this thing. God puts it on his heart. And even though Nehemiah is the most powerful man practically in the world, Nehemiah doesn't have answers. When God begins to speak, he takes you to a place where you have no answers. Why? To show us that we don't have answers so we can receive his answers. It always starts in repentance. It always starts from turning from our own thoughts. God, I don't understand how this can be, right? Remember what Mary said? You will bear a son. She's like, ah, how can this be? How can this be? And God begins to move in that situation. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah is gripped by fear because, you know, he's gripped with sorrow. He, he stops doing all the fun things because he's like, I, I don't, I want to feel this pain. I don't want, like he's staring at the ruins, right? Who here, when you, you try to avoid looking at the ruins? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's the things that grip your heart. And you're like, don't look over there. Just don't look over there, right? I want to stay happy. No, he says, I don't want to be happy. How can I be happy when that's there? When this place is not the way God designed it to be. 
what's my place in this? And God invites him into it, and he gives him a strategy, but it's an incredibly practical strategy. Listen, it will start out with God speaking big, but he's going to give you practical things to do in the beginning. Lord said, I'm going to be a steward of great finance. Okay, so uh, maybe he wants you to steward your bank account. No, no, he's going to give me a million dollars. Maybe, but he's going to, there's practical things he's going to have you do. And so he comes up with this incredibly practical plan and he goes before the king and the king, you know, he risks his life because you're not supposed to be sad in front of the king. And the king signs off and sends him away, which is totally ridiculous. And he takes a trip of 1,200 miles, 1,200 miles. You know how fast they traveled by caravan in those days? Eight miles a day. Five to six months. He's leaving a place that has modern, every modern convenience. If you and I will follow him where he's going, calling us, he will take us to a place that's uncomfortable. But it will be worth it. And so he takes him. He brings him here. You know, we talked about this yesterday. He goes around or last week and he goes around the city. He doesn't tell anybody his plans. Even though he has so much power, he doesn't want to lean on his power. He wants to do what? He wants to invite everybody. And so uh, chapter 2, verse 19 says something deep and meaningful. Oh, sorry. Back, back up one, please. Sorry. I'm, I got my verse. So I told the people about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. They began this good work. If there's a call of God in your life, it will be in the midst of community. It will be with people. Who are my, I can do it all by myself people. I've got really bad news for you. Start over. No. You, if you, let me just say this. I'm just going to put this gently. But if you are an all by yourself person and you keep running into walls and you're like, I'm good. I'll run right through them. No, you're just getting brain damage. <laughs> if you are an all by yourself person and it keeps failing, it's because God never intended you to do it by yourself. Amen. Adam was perfect and God said it's not good for him to be alone. So they began this good work. But what happens? As soon as they begin, verse 19, I, that when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about this, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this they are doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? Can we pull up that map with uh, the circles? There we go. So here they are. They have this little lump in the middle of that. If you guys know anything about this, this is like, this is like a little tiny area of the fullness of the promise of Israel. Right? It's just a little tiny area. And they're surrounded by Samaria in the north. They've got Ammon to the east, Moab, Edomia, with the Edomites and the Philistines. They're surrounded on every side by enemies. If you begin to say yes to God, you are going to confront problems and you're going to, and you're, and you're going to face attack. In fact, Jesus, if you read the, the, the Beatitudes, Jesus actually promised it. It was so generous of him right? If you say yes to God, you will have difficulties. You will. If you want an easy life, stay home. Won't be fun, be depressing, but you'll, but you'll, but instead, and when they come in, what do they do is that chunk of pie, Judah was actually dominated by Samaria and by Ammon and by the Arabs. They were dominated by this area. So when they come in and they begin, and Nehemiah begins to fight for the Israelites, guess what? Do you think Samaria and Ammon and the Arabs are happy? No, not at all. Because them thriving means them not thriving. And so, listen, is, I, I don't know why it is, but when we say yes to Jesus, we think it's all going to be easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? Am I the only one? Like if God called me and he's going to empower me, then it shouldn't be a problem. Because that, I mean, Jesus had that exact life. <laughs> <laughs> as jesus said how can a servant be and a servant is just like it's his master and so so here they are in this this place and so we're going to come into chapter three which i there's my bible thank you I, so chapter three if you've got bibles i'd recommend you turn there chapter three 
you immediately discover, verse 1, Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. So he says, they say, let us. And what happens is, if we can pull up the map of, of Jerusalem. Uh, one more, sorry. That one, there it is. What happens is, you see the sheep gate is at the top. What is the sheep gate next to? The temple. Now, who is this? This is the high priest and his fellow priest. And the sheep gate is where they bring in the sacrificial sheep. Why do you think the high priest and the priests took over fixing the sheep gate? Because they live there? Because it was their area. The sacrifices? This was their area. They didn't run down to the fountain gate. They, they took the area where they had a call. This is a really big problem. You know why for a hundred plus years, nothing had happened? It was too big of a problem. Listen, if God has a huge call in your life, it's because other people have to be a part of it and there needs to be room for them. And so they take over the sheep gate. We're not going to read this whole chapter. Don't worry. Uh, it said they dedicated it and set its doors in place. But I also want you to know a gate in the ancient times was actually... Uh, how to say it, like a gate cost a hundred times more than the same section of wall to build. Why? Because you had to make it strong, but it needed to open. <laughs> like it's easy just to build something strong to keep people out, but build something strong that can keep people out, but, or let people in. They notice they start with the most expensive piece. They put it on the line. They're willing to sacrifice for the sake of this. And they dedicated building as far as the, the tower of, a, of the hundred. You see it goes across. They, built, they also built some wall, and which they dedicated as far as the tower of Hananel. The next one. And so the men of Jericho built the adjoining section and Zachariah's son of Imri next to them. Why, why would they build the next section? Because Jericho is not even part of Jerusalem. Why would they build part of the wall? Because that was the section of wall they came through the area they came through when they were coming. This was part of what they saw when they would mount, top the Mount of Olives. They would see that section of wall. That's what Jesus talks about when he comes up and he said, weeps over Jerusalem. That's what he was seeing. You, so they're coming, they're coming up. They begin to rebuild their part. Even God will call you to things that even you may not technically be a part of, but you'll want to be a part of. Uh, Mike, uh, God put on his heart for must ministries. What, Mike, what do you have to do with must ministries? What do you have to do with being homeless? God put it on your heart. You chose to help rebuild that part of the wall. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah, and they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. And Meramoth, son of Uriah, the son of Haskaz, repaired the next section. And next to him, what you start to see is People rebuilding sections of wall, either they live in that section. We get down to, uh, towards the valley gate. It's the goldsmiths. That's the rich area of town. They rebuild that gate. You, each section is built by either the people who, have, who come through that area or they are, so they have a vested interest or they're, they're people who live there. Why am I saying this? The job is too big for any one person. But... Each of them has an area of authority. And in that area of investment authority, that's where they, 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 they make an investment. That's where, you know, they don't do, well, I'll do it if they will. No, they do their area. They take responsibility for their area. Uh, all the time I've watched this trick of the enemy is notice they care about the whole wall, but they focus on their section. The trick of the enemy is to try to get you to do it all. Get you to try to have authority, try to take responsibility where you do not have authority. Does that make sense? In this last year and a half, I've watched people lose their ever-loving minds about things they have no authority about. And spend all their energy in places where they have no authority. Guess what? If you attempt... 
okay, I'll just give you an example. If I were to go out and attempt to take authority over traffic on Barrett Parkway at 8 a.m., God has told me the plan for traffic today. Yeah, how long would it take till I showed up at the hospital to exert my authority there? <laughs> you ever seen a crazy person on a, on, a, on, a, on a corner trying to direct traffic? That's what you and I look like when we attempt to have authority where we ain't got none. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Listen, you're all worried about global politics and your own home is going to hell. You're all worried that they can't balance a, a budget in the House and, and the Senate and your own budget's gone to down the toilet. A lot of times, the enemy likes to get us over here. As a distraction from actually being obedient where God's called us. I got, I'm, <laughs> Jasmine, you're going to get me in trouble. I'm just going to get really real now. Bunch of y'all trying to pull down principalities and powers and your own homes are going to hell. I'm serious here. Listen, you do have an enemy, but listen, you don't have to look out there. You, so many of us, we get off track because we feel powerless here. We try to have power over here. You have been given authority and power here for him to move through you and to grow here. If you do that, look at Nehemiah. He had a call for Jerusalem, but he focused on where he'd been called. And then God promoted him here. I'm not saying you don't have a call to those bigger things. But if you don't use the authority that you have here, you'll never go there. Hear me on this. So often I see this is, I don't like my life now. God has told me I have a call here. I'm just going to leave this and go over there. No, no, you have a call. So you need to not despise the day of small beginnings and focus on them small beginnings. It's so easy to try to, it is so tempting because we all get frustrated. We all get depressed to look for power where we have none. But that will result in witchcraft. Witchcraft is attempting to have authority apart from relationship, apart from where we're supposed to be. So what happens though is, what I'm going to say, so I've got to, okay, imagine we'll do uh, the three little pigs a little bit different. How's that for a left turn to Albuquerque? <laughs> you know, what's the first house of the little three little pigs? Straw. straw. What happens to straw? Second house is what? You guys read your Bibles. <laughs> what happens to that one? What's the last one? Brick. Okay. Let's say, let's say this is the two and a half pig. All right? He just builds one wall of the house. And the wolf comes up. What's going to happen? What good is a wall by itself? If it doesn't go all the way around the city. Each of these worried about themselves and God brought them together as a whole. God has people he wants to bring alongside you who are saying yes to their area of responsibility. People who, that they're going to come alongside you and fill in the gaps where you lack. Anybody you feel called to something, you're like, yeah, I, I hear this all the time. People are like, I feel called to business, but I can't figure out finance at all. Guess what? He'll put you next to people who go, hey, I get finance. I get this. We had the, the Business Arise meeting on, on Saturday. Oh, my gosh. Friday. It was amazing what God... But even there, I saw how people was, God was bringing people together to stand alongside each other. You don't have to do it all, even if it's part of your destiny. And you put some next to it, and God builds it all. 
one of the things I'm becoming increasingly convicted about is, um, here's where I'm going to end. You know, God began to speak to me really strongly. He said, uh, we don't have really good language around community here. I mean, people say family, whatever. But, but what I found is there's two ditches. I know, there's always two ditches. But that's the nature of reality. We talked about that in, with our, the science and all that. But there's two ditches with community. Anybody guess what those two ditches are? None and too much. Yes, what else? Uh, say that. <laughs> you guys know something about this. Yeah, yep. Call, yeah, so there's, uh, there is uh, the, uh, who are my, well, don't wave a hand on this, but like cults, right? Cults are like, we are one. Can we not be? Right? There's a unity that is utterly, there is no, uh, there is no, uh, there, you know, there's only one thing. There is one, and then over here, we have the American dream. Worry about yourself. All by yourself, right? There, there's this, there is either, and, and who here has vacillated between these two? Right? You're like, ah! Like, you go into, a, you, when you go into a, a relationship, you go all in. Like, all in. Like, you disappear. Like, your friends are like, where have you gone? And then, like, three months later, you come staggering out, like, I'm never doing that again! <laughs> Ever! More by myself! Y'all are crazy! Oh, you look good. Okay, so the reality is the reason there's a tendency to do that is because we were made for unity. We were made. We were never meant to be alone. We were never meant, but, but we were never meant to stop being ourselves. Never stop. So this is why the root of this is the Trinity, right? You guys remember the Trinity? God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one essence, Three persons but, and, or that are one, but with no confusion. We are one. So, so Masha and I are one. We talk about that, right? You know, one flesh. There is some, you're not confused which one you meet, right? Like if Masha hugs you, you're like, oh, Peter, right? You don't, you're not confused. Now, theologically, they say, they say union without confusion. Union. See, only God can make it that we be one and, and not absorbed into. And Jesus says this in John 17. You guys remember, Jesus, anybody annoyed by how confusing Jesus is? No, seriously, you read through the Gospels, and you're like, I know I should understand what he's talking about, but this doesn't make any sense. He just said, cut off my hand. I don't know, is that a good idea? Right? No, but he finally says, he says, he goes, guys, I'm going to make everything plain to you. I'm going to make everything plain to you. This is everything. So from 14, 15, 16, and 17 of John is the gold. Jesus is laying down why he came. Verse 17, chapter 17 is the, is the high, high mark. And at the end of it, he goes, uh, verse, verse 20 of John 17 says, My prayer is not for them. Who's them? The disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That, who's that? That's us. You're in. You're in. Jesus was praying for you. What was he praying? What is the goal of his life? It wasn't, see, the, the gospel is not deliverance from sin. That's a side benefit. That was the, that's like, that's like, like God's goal is not for you to be cancer free. Like that's a benefit. Like that's a means to an end, but that's not the point. The point from the beginning was what? He's never changed the issue. He said that all of them may be one. Amen. How? Father, just as you and I are one, right? Truly one, but no confusion. May they also be in us that the world may believe you have sent me. So here's the deal. You and I have unique callings, but they do not stand alone. This is not self-actualization. That's why you cannot walk out, you and I cannot walk out our life in Christ apart from each other. Because the whole point of it is that we might be one in him. If your brain is bursting, you're in the right place. No, no. The, the reality is, okay, anybody married here? 
felt utterly not one with your spouse this morning? <laughs> you have to make a decision. Jesus says we're one. I can either choose to explore that oneness or believe it's not there. I can choose to believe, well, I'm just going to take my choice and go home. I'm going to do it myself. Who are my people? (laughs) Or I can say, there's something here I'm not seeing. There is a unity. Honestly, this is why I believe Jesus said in heaven, there will be no marriage and giving in marriage because the goal is a unity. All of us be one in him. How are we one in him? Through the one who is in us. Christ in us is the one who makes us one. How does he do that? Well, one of the ways he does it is is really practical. He'll coordinate. Coordinate. We saw that at the Business Arise meeting, how God would coordinate people together. He'd be like, hey, you you could be with them. He'll bring people alongside that they they have similar calls and similar graces. He'll bring people alongside. He'll do that. He'll... Anybody discover that, like in marriage, you marry someone who's utterly not like you. My favorite is dating is all about discovering that you're identical and being engaged and being married is discovering they're absolutely completely an alien from outer space. (laughs) In our differences, he makes us one. To make us, we need one another. We need, and so God is going to call you to ruins that you get to own. Don't blame anybody else for your ruins. And before you start trying to worry about somebody else's ruins, worry about your own. But as you work on your ruins, you'll discover that God has placed you next to people who are building wall with you, alongside of you. Why? Because your little wall all by itself ain't going to do much. (laughs) Running around the wall, (laughs) being chased by the enemy. And God never intended that what you do and who you're called to be and the, and the things that he has for you would stand on their own. He always meant them to be a part of a larger call. And so what I want to say is I really believe that part of what we talked about a time to build is this year is about learning as a body. I, like, as I said, back in December, I started having conversations with several of you. I was like, we don't have language around community that doesn't sound like a cult, right? Like, I, I don't... like. How do we have this language? How do we have this understanding of the life we're called to? Because that's the life we're called to is this community that we can invite people into, right? We're not just trying to... We we obviously are having a lot of like, you know, like sitting around the table, this conversations, right? This is what we talk about. (laughs) This is what we're passionate about, right? Figuring out that language and digging into all of this. Um, But we we were just talking about how as, as we step into more of what Jesus has paid for and what is community and build up together and, and all these links and everyone building their portion of the wall, it becomes like 3D printing, right? Where, yes, right, Marianne, remember our conversations even a couple of years ago about this 3D printing of this heaven on earth, right, is seen in our midst, Right, as we're building together, as families are being built up, as marriages are being built up, as families are starting to walk together in destiny, as kids are rising up to walk with us in destiny, as, and we are together just linking arms and, and building this, this thing together. Like, it's like a 3D thing. People can step into it and experience it. Right? It says you will know that they're um, Christians, right? By our love. By our love. Right? So this space between us where non-believers can come in and be discipled quickly and rise up quickly and just start being transformed quickly, where it's taken us, you know, 20 uh, years to get to this place in marriage, people will step in and in the first year be like, oh my gosh, this is so good. This is so different, right? It's like such such an acceleration of this um, 3D printing of creating this three-dimensional culture where certain things are not normal, Right? And certain things become so normal, where the supernatural becomes so normal, where honor and respect become so normal, right? Where just disrespect and dishonor and gossip and, I don't know, comparison and all this lack and whatever else becomes abnormal, right? And people, like, can come in and it's like another world and it's like, what the heck? Come on. Where am I? Come on. You're not in Kansas anymore, right? This is the kingdom of heaven. Come on. 
right? Uh -huh. And we are seeing it manifest, and maybe it's to this level right now, right? Where the, the 3D printer, I don't know, I just think in images, right? We're 3D printing the kingdom of heaven here on earth, right? We're making it manifest in our midst. Come on. Come on. We're building this wall, right, where it's safe, where people can thrive, and where people can be invited and start thriving like that. Come on. Come on. But you know the thing about unity? If I have a cup, how much, and say, how far up can I fill this cup with water? To the top. Or to the lowest hole. The lowest level of, the, it will only go, be filled up to the highest level of unity. See, God's not interested in spiritual superstars. He's interested in a body that rises together. And, and the reality is, how effective is a wall? The Chinese found this out. You guys know something about the Great Wall of China? It's exactly pig 2.5. Why? Because it's just a straight line. And you know what the Mongols figured out? Just ride around it. <laughs> right? The, the reality is, is God wants to put you in places where we need one another, where, where, where our health reveals, other people's health reveals to us gently our unhealth. I, I can't tell you the number of times that I'm having a deeply, uh, highly spiritual discerning thought. And I begin to share it with Masha and I immediately become aware of the fact that this is just stupid judgment. Why? Because the health in her convicts me. When we're surrounded by health, when we're surrounded by wholeness, guess what? The things that are normal out there, who here, you thought your family was normal until you ran into another family and you're like, whoa, you guys don't do that, right? We, this is what he wants to do, a place where even like in business where, well, yeah, this is how I do it. Well, have you tried this? What? Never even knew that was a possibility. What I want to say is I believe this year is a year of exploration. We don't have words. We're stumbling for words. For what? But I want to say this. Is this thing of community that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, that, that the knowledge of the glory of God would cover the whole earth, that the garden would expand to cover the whole earth? That is why Jesus came, that we might be one with him even as he is one. And I want to invite all of us as we begin to explore that this year, as he begins to build himself in us. If we can have the worship team come up. Thank you. Appreciate I, I appreciate that. As you can well tell, we're, we don't have the language down by a long shot. But I want to encourage you. The big picture is the glory set before us, the joy set before us. But what I want to say is, God wants to encourage you in your ruins right now, in the places he's called you to, to say yes. If we could stand. Father, I ask right now that you would encourage our hearts to not hide, but invite you to our ruins. To invite you, Lord, to not despise small beginnings, to say yes to you in this place. To say yes and not hide from others either, but invite others to build their wall alongside of ours. We love you, Lord, in your beautiful name.